Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. That tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. We've got a dirty stack of pennies today, Merriman. The dust has settled. Actually, it hasn't. It's still probably floating in the air from Bristol Speedway, as dusty as that thing got. But first, I just want to start and thank Tim Clark and everybody here at NASCAR for allowing me to have this show because this is the only damn time of the week lately I've been stacking pennies. Are you trying to get a raise? Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> I need a raise because my any any uh, any money I'd be making on track for finishing well has not been coming. So, uh, been a tough couple stretch. We've got a couple mechanical failures, a couple bad weeks, uh, and then we get caught up in somebody else's mess to start this weekend. Uh, where my hopes were high, our car was fairly good after practice, and Eric Amarola spun out, and we got collected in that crash, um, which I guess we can start start rolling into it. Chuck, I have my buddy Chuck. He's producing this thing. Jonathan Merriman, Rolling Thunder, a.k.a. Funfetti, as we were talking behind the scenes, he noticed that Ricky Stenhouse's new sponsor on his fire suit was what? Well, I don't know if it's new, but they cut to a, a shot of the car on his right arm. I think he should get it tattooed there. Funfetti right there on his arm. Well, I figured you were excited about it because it was the first thing that you said when I you walked in this morning. I got super excited about it. I'm like, damn, Funfetti. It brought back a lot of memories. You look like a fan of Funfetti. And Dunkaroos, Chuck. Don't hey. forget those. Ooh. <laughs> How could I forget? Man, I love some Dunkaroos. The white icing back in the day, on time. You know it was not on time. The time of the start of that Bristol dirt race. The wrong time. Because half the we went from double file restarts, track was in decent shape to start because they farmed it, tilled it, watered it, the whole deal. And then it started getting dusty, which we could talk about windshields to the cows come home. If we would have just started that thing at seven, had some lights, we wouldn't have got a glare. And I probably couldn't have crashed, or would, would have, wouldn't have crashed because I would have been able to see what was in front of me. But from the entrance of turn one, to the entrance, to the exit of turn two, the visibility, you literally cannot see a thing, uh, which is partly why we got collected in a crash because you couldn't slow down. So uh, that was unfortunate. It's been a fortunate, I don't know, six, seven weeks to pass after the 500. We're just trying to iron the kinks out. So, uh, But don't let me put a damper on a great weekend. Bristol Dirt had a lot of good stuff going. We got a, my buddy of mine, who this is the big winner this weekend. Joey Logano is coming on the show here later on. Also, the guy who got a national television shout-out, Ryan Flores, Pit Road Boats and Woes analyst. He's on the show as well, so stand by. But Merriman, big dirt guy. Look at the boots. Look at the hair. What do you think about this Bristol dirt <laughs> Big hair? dirt guy. Big dirt guy, that Merriman. Never know what you're going to step in, Corey. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was good. You know, I think everybody – Everybody was bummed out on Sunday, and then we got pushed. Hang on, hang on. I'm glad you brought that up. It was a – let me like – and everybody's like, oh, NASCAR, if it was dirt, whatever, they wouldn't be able to – You can't run in the rain on asphalt either or concrete. No, and you – and, dude, the track was so heavy and muddy. When they tried to run them truck heat races, they were like, oh, it's black off the sport. Every dirt – expert that was in the it, everybody that's been to one dirt track in their entire life was apparently had some opinion on it chuck where you know take the windshield <laughs> i love kenny wallace but what do you think about here's just the, the torrential downpour i thought jesus was coming back well here's the thing that's what like, i thought here, here's the thing one you had flooding that affected the entire state of tennessee and a lot of uh states in that region i think kentucky got some like that was a massive storm that came through so nothing anybody can do on that. Like that is act of God. Right. Um, when it comes to like the, the qualifying heats and all that. Right. So pretty much any short track probably would have called it like they called it and mm-hmm. done it. Now, w- when you look at what happened with going out there and the stuff getting on the windshield, if NASCAR doesn't attempt to go, they're going to catch flack. If they go, they're going to catch flack. It was sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. And if you right. looked at the weather, if they didn't at least try to go and try to get something in, you're not going to know anything. So when they go out there and the dirt gets on the windshield, that sucked. 
but you had to try it. You had to see what was going to happen because we haven't done it. We don't know what's going to happen. And that's the whole thing with all of this dirt stuff is people are second guessing everything. This is the first time we have raced on dirt in 51 years. We're not going to get it all right right off the bat. I'm going to tee you up right here for segue. It's, It's really easy when you're sitting on the couch to... Just fuss. You know what? Twitter's a toxic place. I'm not gonna take that. <laughs> I'm not gonna take that. You know, you teed it up, but I'm you know, I'm gonna pick it back up and go to the cart because there's no need to dabble. That's good live bait, Corey. And it's your podcast coral. <laughs> no sense. No sense of doing it. Um, not gonna do it. Not except for do Brett it. Griffin. <laughs> uh, you should have just stuck your head out the window like Ace Ventura and drove that race, Corey. You would have missed a wreck. Well, I could have. You know, there are some guys that used to be spotters that now are not that still have podcasts that, you know, he, he was sitting on his couch, probably had his South Carolina game cock pajama pants on in his basement, had a couple whiskey drinks and was, you know, doing like a, a live race tweet up, uh, you know, update. And he said something about, you know, dirt cars don't have spotters and, and it looked like a couple cup guys didn't have spotters that drove into that first wreck. I saw that. I wasn't in a particularly great mood after ending our day fairly soon. And I clapped back. What did I say? Do you have it pulled up? No, I just sent you. I just you sent me a text message. I, just, I sent you a nickname. You could say it, not me. You know, and it, it, the the podcast is if you're wondering what it was, door bumper couch, <laughs> door bumper clear. Sorry. Uh, you know, you got a couple couch potatoes rifling off some tweets, but you know, I like Brett. But if you're not there, don't speak to what you don't know. You know, because the visit. You almost needed to be spotted out the out the windshield as much as you needed to be spotted from the back because the windshield has got so caked with mud or dirt, rather, uh, uh, dust. And then when you combine that with the glare that was coming over the turn two grandstands, it was Im- impossible, impossible to see. You could literally not see where you're going. So when that guy, when Eric spun out and was sitting backwards, you're already getting a late reaction time because you, until you transition into that shade, you can't see where you're going. Um and then look, look, I thought I had it missed, and then next thing you know, we didn't. Um, but regardless, I got to watch the remaining race. The I, I left with about 50 to go from the top of the truck. Got a little dusty, which we all expected with that 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock time start. Um, you know, and, and as heavy as the cup cars are, as much as they were laying rubber down, it was inevitable they were going to get some dust. They went to single-file restarts, which I didn't love to see, but part of the show, hey, you got to get this thing down the road. They audibled, I support it, and it actually still made it for a decent show. But I'm I'm going to be – I might be a little sour. I might be a little sour, and I want you all to ch- chime in and, like, un- make me unsour. I love Bristol the way it is without dirt on it, and I get trying to – I get trying to spice it up and do a little flash in the pan, do something new, do something exciting, and put cup cars on dirt. But I would rather see us have – two good Bristol dirt races or or asphalt, concrete, whatever you want to call it, and then go to a legitimate dirt track, Knoxville, or they can't do Eldora because Tony owns it and they don't like each other. But I don't want to give up a good short track race. I'd rather take a mediocre mile-and-a-half race and put another dirt race on the schedule. But sometimes that Bristol spring race can kind of be – Hit or miss, right? It's not. It's not the Bristol night race. No, like it's the not. Br- the Bristol night race is in arguable crown jewel territory in terms of what that race for sure means to the fans. The spring race is the race to do it at. Um, you know, I think everything being so contained, I I like it there. The only thing I would do, I'd go buy me a big old tarp and I'd <laughs> string it on those Colossus Man. stringers and put and put a tarp over it. Put a tarp over. It's a hell of a big tarp. It'd kill your helicopter shot or your Goodyear shot, but they did it in the original Coliseum in Rome. <laughs> they had awnings that came out. They also filled that yeah. thing up with and water. And that was, yeah, you know, yeah. that was like 400 yeah. BC too. So if if they if we can't figure that out 2,800 years later, what are we doing? And I'll I'll say this: I was there, and what when was practice? Friday? Uh, yeah. So standing in three and four watching the cup cars go around at practice. I I don't know if it was goosebumps or just like I you could probably see me smiling through my mask that I was wearing at the track. But that's what Bri- that's what Bristol is. I mean yeah. it, look, it's living up to the name the last great Coliseum, yeah. right? So he's over there talking about the Romans doing doing putting a tarp over in the Coliseum. Hang on, hang on. This hang is on. what it's made for. I'm gonna this- cut you off. I'm gonna cut you off. 
a little side note here. We went to our honeymoon in Rome. Went to the Colosseum. and went when in you, Rome. And when you walk through that arch like the gladiators did before they would fight in the mm-hmm. Colosseum, it literally feels the exact same way when you walk through that, not even the tunnel, where when you walk through the cutout in the grandstands, it, when they say it's the last great Coliseum, they do not lie because that place is bitching, and it's pretty much like the Coliseum. Carry on. Well, Barry. that's what it's made for. I mean, look, you've had a football game there now. You've had, uh, you know, I guess they've done the dirt dirt there now for three years. They did it in the early 2000s, two years in a row, yep. and then, and then they've done it there now. Let's I mean, recreate some naval battles. This, <laughs> this is, I mean, this is the place to do it. I mean, if you had to pick a place in the entire United States, there's nothing else cut out for it as well as Bristol Motor Speedway, just in terms of what you can do with that racetrack and fans being able to see 360 degrees of it. Corey, you're <laughs> a race fan. Battles. Yeah. You're a fan of racing, right? Yes. Yeah. No, he hates it. I, here's, like, I know like it was a bad day for you, right? Yeah, thanks. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it was Chuck, a bad day. Chuck made you a playlist. <laughs> <laughs> little, uh, little, uh, little Inya on there. Couple of uh, some. Uh, I need some cheer. Yeah. Just anyway, so I got some rusted root on there. You know, get some uh, semi on my way. That's good stuff. It's a good happy upbeat song. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I really wish, like, from a fan perspective, watching that race, like, I was giddy the entire time. Like, I'm still picking dirt out of my hair. Like, I, it, it dirt was everywhere because at For one me, point, it's, man, it's the boogers. The boogers oh yeah. Get rock yeah. hard. Even like through the mask, the dust and was still getting up in there. Yeah. But not pleasant. That was awesome. And I'm not even like, I don't, that's not hyperbole, whatever. Like that was one of the coolest events that I have ever been to in my years of working for NASCAR. In the truck race, the truck, the truck race to lead things off. I liked both shows on the same day. And I realized that it was unfortunate circumstances to do that. But in, but in terms of, you know, Imagine if that was a Sunday. I'd be parked in front of that TV all day. You can shift the start times back a little bit. I know a lot of people are like, well, if you you make it a little bit later at night, you turn the lights on, the water doesn't evaporate as much. But Well, that might be something with, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's, it's apparent that it's hard to get the arena sold, especially Bristol with 100 and, what is it, 120,000 seats to get them sold. If you combine the trucks, even put an Xfinity deal in there next year or something, and you run two big shows on the same day, you might be able to pack that place out again. Well, you Help. can also move the dirt nats to Friday, Saturday, maybe, and run those late models. Cars. There's way too many cars for that. There was 1,100 cars there, and it was just it could, was brutally long. Could you get some sort of late model exhibition series? Arca, to, like, hey, not not Arca, not Arca. I'm I like dirt got like actual like dirt modifieds or something out there, or late models or something. I'm sure there's some logistics that would probably make it tough, but I mean, Marcus Smith does not. Like he, he fleshes every possible opportunity out to bring some excitement to his race weekend. Look, and I'll say this much: I was wrong last week. I said to temper your expectations, and my expectations were were exceeded. But see, mine weren't. Marcus does Marcus does it all the time. People thought he was nuts when he did the Roval. Yeah, and I mean, people thought he was nuts when he did Bristol Dirt, even though they'd done it twice before this. But when and I wouldn't say that running dirt on Bristol logistically long term is viable. Why not? But here's the thing. In the short term, we got cup cars on dirt. We we learned a lot of what, one, if we want to do this again, what we could do going forward. No, we are sh- doing it again. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. like we, you know, what does the show look like? Like right. what's that going, is it going to be at the same time? Or are they going to shift to the evening on a Saturday, yeah. run companion series? Well, like whatever they're going to do. Why wouldn't it be do. viable long term? Just, just bringing the, bringing dirt, the in? dirt in, taking it out. So like long term... Do you go to a legit short, a legit dirt track? Like, is there somewhere like a Knoxville that you could go to? So we're testing it out at Bristol. Well, for a longer term, yeah, this, is a, this is a Cup Series. Then you get into though, who owns what, right? Yeah, because but you can't you can't fit one hundred sixty thousand people. Say you know, coronavirus is is done. This is the hot ticket, like Bristol Night Race used to be. You cannot pack that many people. Around Charlotte, dirt any track. any dirt track yeah. in the country. So I don't want to talk so much about outside stuff. I want to talk about the actual race because there were so many good storylines in the race. What stood out to me was Daniel Suarez. I think that stood out to everybody. That yep. track has ninety nine hot rod. Didn't just like 
get a couple spots in the restarts. He drove to the lead, past the dominant Truck Series winner, Martin Truex, led the beginning half of the race. Used a bumper to do it. Awesome move. But not that much, just a little, <laughs> excuse me, got to go, amigo, see you later. Um, led some laps and ultimately got a couple bad jumps on a restart, I think, and finished fourth, maybe? But yes, regardless, fourth. Chuck, riddle me this, and this is a rhetorical question because I know the answer. <laughs> Why did he run 18th an hour before the cup race in that Tyler Young 0-2 truck and then all of a sudden learn how to drive? What do you eat? Some empanadas? Funfetti. He was eating a banana. Eat some bananas? He was eating a banana. I know. I saw him him on a golf cart with a banana. So That was the difference. So he ate a banana. That may have been before the truck race, though. Cleared his head. He threw that out. The banana was digested by the time the cup He threw it out on the track, and Kyle Larson hit it and wrecked. (laughs) Christopher Bell hit it, and then... Collected them both. Collected them both. That was his plan. So why do you think that was? I mean, clearly, the... the, I don't know. You you have a better insight on this than me, but I don't know what's what's under the sheet metal for Trackhouse. But clearly, he had a little bit better setup, a little bit better race car in the Cup Series. But look, at Atlanta... He was running pretty good at Atlanta, too. I think he had an issue on pit road. So, you know, yeah, that team is trending in the, the right direction. I right mean, they now. definitely have a good foundation. They're, from what I believe, building cars right next to the three and the eight. So they have everything RCR has. But I think that, you know, everybody wants to point to, oh, driver, driver, driver. You, gotta, you still have to be in a hot rod that has some compliance, that has some mechanical grip, that has some good power. Um, you know, so that's the that was pretty apparent to me. Because I was like, ooh, Daniel's going to struggle in this cup race after watching the truck race. And lo and behold, that was the complete opposite. And then you saw some guys who might have even been pinned as favorites, Austin Dillon, uh, who run terrible. Um, some other guys, Stuart Friesen, t- teammate of mine, who I expected to run better, you know, who we might have missed on the setup a little bit, who didn't have the grip uh, to be able to maneuver their cars or make some gains uh, towards the front. So what I thought it was interesting to see some guys – that you wouldn't expect a couple guys, Daniel Suarez, William Byron runs stronger than I expected him to. And even our guest here on the show, Joey Logano, nobody pins him as a dirt guy, but he looked pretty strong all day. When Bubba was having a good run Bubba. until uh, Stenhouse there at the end. A lot yeah. of people had Bubba circled though from his Eldora experience. Right. But with a new team like that, are you expecting them just is experience going to do it? Uh, that goes to the same question. I mean, well, I would circle We got to be careful, guys. I'd circle him before Suarez. We got to be careful talking about new teams, air quotes. I mean, he's. When Trackhouse is. If, when their cars are being set up right next to the three and the eight, and when that 23 car picks up that car being built to Gibbs and puts stickers on it and goes to the racetrack, let's be easy with the new team connotations here. When when you look at the the personnel that are on the teams as well, I mean there are veterans on the, for sure that know what they're doing. It's, so it's not a new, I mean it's Wheeler's won a, a race or two. I think that I, is pretty when good. I say new team, I'm talking like the chemistry of everybody working together type stuff, not equipment. That's and fair. All that. That's fair. You know, but I think at the end of the day, if your car has speed in it, and that thing makes grip. It's going to show up more in a place like Bristol on dirt um, than it would be. You know, maybe even like a place like Richmond because air still matters more. A place like that, Phoenix, some places we call short tracks, air still matters. But there on dirt, we got we saw all those cars uh, beat up. Except, I keep going back to it. Joe Logano didn't have a scratch on his hot rod. In terms of equipment, would you consider the forty-seven a bigger underdog than the ninety-nine and the twenty-three? Yeah. So that Stenhouse's was almost more impressive to you than. Well, you know, you, I mean, Stenhouse has a lot of dirt experience yeah. too with those sprint cars, but um, you know, I think that also kind of fits his style. He's a little, he has a little bit of discipline, but he's also not scared to gas it up. So that was cool to see because he went from fourth to second in one corner on that green white checkered restart. So that was pretty cool. How about can we talk about Denny not diving in on Joey on that overtime restart? Didn't expect it. Did not expect it. Because, I mean, and then they asked him after the race, and he said, you know, him and Joey don't race each other like that. Not well, a person. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> Martinsville. Uh, yeah, I was like, do, we, do you not remember, what, like 16 months ago that you just <laughs> completely drove into him for no reason? So, of course, I was expecting that 11 to make a dive bomb move. He didn't. He tried to go to the top and get some grip up there, which it was dusty and, and it wasn't to be had. So, how the 11 – now, we saw Denny tweet after the race that he wanted a redo because – 
I'm sure if he had a redo, he'd have been taking a shot at that 22's left for a quarter panel and made it exciting. But uh, Does the uh, single file come into play there? Like, not used to it? Not sure how to do the restarts? Uh, not sure I what mean, to do? I mean, Denny's restarted behind people before. But yeah. when you don't have, like, okay, on a double file restart, shootout style, um, had to go drive. I think that gives Denny more of an excuse Hang if he's on. too can, wide. Can we, can we first touch on that? I didn't know that you – Voice over the driver's meet until like know I was like two months old ago. <laughs> <laughs> like all this time, now we don't do driver's yeah. meets anymore, so I don't get to hear you. Crew chiefs, please make sure you have the current crew chief handout and pit road penalty card with you for the race. It's so soothing. Yeah. It's so I almost, it? I almost took a nap during every. Bri- <laughs> that's that's my goal meet. is to lull you all to sleep. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So you don't pay attention to what the actual rules are. Uh, well, you know, you kind of know what the rules yeah, are. Yeah. That's just kind of like a hey, it's like guys. A fight club. Well, this is the disclaimer the, for NASCAR. It's like, hey, we gave you the rules before the race. You. We told you, do not race below the double yellow line. Yes. Yeah. Now it got to the point, drivers. I don't want to get down a rabbit yeah. hole here, but drivers' meetings got they almost got to be where they were just a VIP introduction session than they were anything about competition. So I don't necessarily mind what we got going on right now. I I also want to give a we we were talking about restarts. And guys doing well. Ryan Newman also had a good run. Yes. Um, sixth, fifth or sixth? Fifth, fifth. Fifth. He was facing the wrong way a couple times, too. So, good rebound. Well, Blaney did the same thing. Like, Blaney spins around, ends up with an eighth, eighth place finish. You sure are tied to that guy. I'm also looking at the top ten. And when you look <laughs> at the guys in the top ten, look. He's talking about him. We had, now, a, we had a great uh, glass case of emotion last night. Check it out on uh, NASCAR.com. And, special episode. Yeah, special special episode. episode. Go Everybody go check that one out. Because you're not going to get many of them because Ryan doesn't like doing podcasts anymore. Um, Focusing on on, on yeah, other things. You know, we can t- – <laughs> like running well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, he come in – so Ryan talks about it here later in the show. He comes and put a tire he, – he puts a tire on and gets out before, in front of the pace car, almost like Dave's Get me out in front of that pace car. But a fresh left for a tire at the end of that run would be quite nice. So to take a car that was that beat up, Regardless, hey, when you stuck a left rear tire on that thing, that thing probably came to life when everybody else was on, on canvas. So that part certainly helped. It was unlucky that he got wrecked because he couldn't see where he was going on the, on the front stretch. But when you get a brand new tire, as much tire as those were wearing out, you know, he had a little little extra juice than everybody so else. So let me ask you this question. Say a team brought a full-blown pit crew, right, and and you set up for that, that green-white checker restart. You're on the lead lap. Come in, take tires. You can't. You couldn't because you if can't. You, no, it had to be it had to be blown Designated. or down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you're you couldn't put four tires on it. Right. He had a, he, his left rear tire was shredded. So Kill my hypotheticals then. Yeah, yeah no, easy on the hypotheticals. You're the crew. the The pit crew thing isn't really gonna. The only time it would help is if you were in an incident. But I don't think to, did any, of, nobody of, blew a tire though from wearing it out, right? Uh, the seventeen car did. Okay, it was like. It was like, you know when you hear somebody blow a right front and next thing you know they're just augered in the fence? That's what it sounded like. I was watching. I was looking like at the start-finish line area, and I heard a boom in turn one and two, and I looked over in the 17 blew a right rear. So it was – I think he was the only guy that I saw actually blow one from physically running the rubber off of it. Um, but, yeah, dude, the, the tires were so degraded, which it was funny because you got – Ha- like everybody was like, oh, we need more tire fall off. We need more tire fall off. And then you get tire fall off, and everybody's like, oh, we got too much tire fall off. Well, because nobody's satisfied. When that's, you get what you yeah. want, you want Nobody's what you- satisfied. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing that I've learned from NASCAR Twitter and just NASCAR in general is that no one is ever but it's satisfied li- it's, with anything. It's life. Dude, you apply it to anything. It's Dude, Twitter's so brutal right now. It's not even fun to even go on there. Sometimes, actually, if you're in a mood to be – if if you're in actually in a good mood and you want to figure out a way to get in a bad mood, you just fire up your Twitter anymore. People are some losers on there. Losers. Losers. Now, if you scroll through my timeline, you'd, make, you'd know how many friends I have on there. Your positivity. You're just a, a, a beacon I, of light. I try to be, but it's hard. It's hard. Sometimes it's a little bit fabricated, I'll be honest. <laughs> hey, but you know what? You got to fake it till you make it. That's it. That's, that's why I'm yeah. here, man. You know, we got somebody else joining us on the show that didn't have to fake it till he made it. Actually, I take that back. He is the king of faking it until he's making it. Ryan Flores, Pit Road Boats and Woe Standby. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Pit Road Boats and Woes, my buddy Ryan Flores. We had no Pit Road Woes, essentially, because there was no Pit Cruise. But you went up there. Why did why did Roger Penske make the call to drag his best guy up to Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend? I don't think that it was quite on Roger's level to make that call. I think it was. Um, <laughs> I don't know that. I, I never got the call from him, but uh, but yeah, just having racing experience and kind of having road crew experience, they wanted somebody up there that if we got a flat under green, you know, could could minimize the damage. And you know, we set up pit guns on in all the pit stalls. I went through and made sure they were all set up right, so you didn't have your electric impact. Uh, kind of moseying out there but uh but yeah no pickers this weekend it's pretty interesting um i saw a couple guys here and there but i think there was only other one other tire changer there i saw but i don't know it leads it leads to the question on what the sport's going to look like in the future what do you think um i don't, I don't know i mean i feel like for the sake of the show you got to have live stops because that factors just as much into the outcome as having a fast car i think now you can you can have exhibit races, quote unquote, without live pit stops. Um, but what I want to talk about is the nationwide shout out you got from Joey Logano's Victory Lane speech. How'd that make you feel? Yeah, that was cool. You know, we put, and Joey put a lot of work into, uh, I got to be honest, that was weighing over my head. Um, I built that dirt modified kind of with the intentions to just race around here, some redneck dirt tracks here in the, in the Carolina red clay. And we ended up bringing that thing to, uh, two of the biggest dirt races of the year. I told him this morning that the, the lowest car count that we had at the race we went to was 74. I think there was a hundred in Volusia and 74 there. And he did really well. You know, we, we went testing a couple of times with it and he re- he really wanted to truly understand the racetrack and the changes to make and what he could do different. Even if that car has a little bit different rear end, the way it moves around, uh, put a lot of time into it. And, you know, I think I think at Penske you hear the the term effort equals results a lot, but it was true in this case. So, so yeah, Jerry Kelly and and all those guys they put a lot of work into that, and it was, it was cool to see uh, to see him prevail and the the credibility he gets uh, from the short track community. I think Joey's one of those guys that kind of a, people see as a lifetime Cup guy. So for him to get a little bit of credibility from some of them uh, dirt guys was good, but. Man, I thought I'll tell you what. Back to the back to the pit crew side. I thought I had it teed up. I thought Truex was going to lead every lap, and there was going to be no opportunity for anybody to pass him because there was going to be no strategy played and and no um, opportunities for someone to beat him off pit road. And when he faded there, and the stun started to go down, and it got it got to be a pretty good race. So the pit crew guys started to get a little nervous. So I was riding back because my day ended up short. So how did the track change much from when it, half of it was? had sun on it to the one that was completely shaded. It looked like it. I mean, there was definitely comers and goers. The 19 faded. And I think Joey was kind of like a ninth, eighth, ninth place car. And he, he started just slowly working his way up and it seemed like it just progressed the drier it got to who could hook the bottom the best. And, uh, hell Suarez rooted the 19 out of the way. It almost went to like an old school Bristol field where they were gouging everybody off the bottom. Yeah, who would have thought putting it, putting dirt back on is the way we get back to the, the whole race in there. Yeah, they got the nine. They got the old track house car, uh, track house car running the last two weeks, and they got a speeding penalty last week. That was a, a pit road woe for sure. That took them out of uh, took them out of contention there at Atlanta. But but yeah, man, that that uh, it turned out to be a really awesome show. 
Um, obviously, I think next year when we go back, I think there's uh, – I think it would be really cool if we could figure out how to have pit stops there. I think it will be really challenging with how dusty pit road was, not sliding through your box and not killing somebody. But, um, but man, it just speaks volumes for – the group in that garage uh, that can that can uh, pretty much if, if they put a jump in the middle of the front stretch, someone would figure it out and they'd win, and you guys would have a good race. So that would not awesome. be ideal. That would not feel good in the backbone. So we are seven. Right. We we would be we're seven weeks in of the season. The dust is kind of settled, pun intended, from Bristol Motor Speedway. Granted, there was no pit stops. Who is kind of elevating themselves or showing themselves as an entire pit crew? to be strong who's like the top five best pit crews on on, on pit road right now so, so the teams that seem to show up lately have been the hendrick cars have been really pretty strong um i think everybody kind of thought the gibbs cars would be a lot stronger than they are the 11 cars kind of their shining light the five every week when we sit down in these dark fish meetings the five the 48 the 24 they are all they, they we talk about them every week us on the two car um, we've been in we've been in the top five consistently, and then you see guys like the twenty two um, that that are that are up there as well. But man, those Hendrick cars have definitely had some speed. There was a little bit of lug nut drama um, here in the last couple of weeks, where they made a rule where uh, some teams were cutting some threads out of the back of the lug nut, so it essentially makes your your stud shorter. Right? You can't you you have a stud rule, so then you go and you kind of work on the lug nut to get a little bit there. And uh, and that got that got clamped down before Atlanta. I was kind of hoping that something would happen in Atlanta so we could talk about it. But uh, but everybody seemed to adjust to that pretty well. And uh, and yeah, the, the Hendrick cars seem to be on top at the moment. How many cars do you think were chasing studs or or making some hot lug nuts? I think there was definitely two companies that were doing it all the way across the board. And uh, and they they definitely had some speed. And I thought it would affect them more. But uh, but yeah, these guys are pros, man. And We'll see. Well, you know, it, it comes and goes. These are arguments that we have all the time. It's stuff that that everybody's always chasing how to be a little bit faster. Like they said, you you gain tenths of a second on the racetrack, but you gain seconds on pit road, and you also lose seconds on pit road. So every edge they can get, they're going after, uh, even if it means bending the rules a little bit. Heard that. Well, we we have your uh, your hired gun of the modified Joe Logano coming on the show. What, is there anything we need to ask him? No, no. I mean. He, He's he's a pro. You know you know what to talk to him about, but just uh just cool to see the work the hard work pay off. I'm gonna talk to that son of a bitch about blocking me in that fifty nine Cadillac on the way to work this morning. I got a beef, I got a bone to pick with him. Oh. Uh, and you hey, you gotta get on Brett Griffin too. You should get him on here and let him give him a piece of your mind. That was some little bit of Twitter beef. We had some couch potatoes rifling in with some hot takes that I had to had to extinguish like an old cigarette. So We'll get to you that. Have a podcast, podcast war here. No, we don't need no podcast war. We're all right. We know our identity. Hey, have a damn good Easter. Hey, you too, buddy. I'll see you. Pit Road Boats and hey. Woes, Ryan Flores. Have a great day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. 
how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Very special guest joining us on Stacking Pennies. Just been waiting. I've been waiting all year to see that 22-car victory lane. My buddy, Joey Logano, thanks for joining the show. What's up, Shu? Oh, man, just uh, trying to stack some pennies here. The only pennies I'm stacking are on a Tuesday morning here downtown Charlotte. We can't stack them any, any more this weekend. Uh, but you, sir, are stacking all of them. The first dirt winner in the Cup Series since Richard Petty in 1970. How's it feel? Uh, it's pretty neat, for sure. You know, you think of um... – you know, everything leading up to this weekend uh, at Bristol, the anticipation of the event, right? Of, of since they announced this event, everyone was like, oh my gosh. And, and everyone was excited, uh, confused, nervous, uh, all at the same time. And, you know, the unknown is what made it, you know, so interesting throughout the, the weekend. And, you know, we, we both, you know, we were up there for the the week before that and you had a late model, I'm a modified up there and, um, you know, just trying to get laps, right? Everyone's trying to learn how do you drive on dirt? Well, I never did it growing up. I know you didn't either. So there's a lot of unknowns and, and, um, and then, you know, practice starts and you're trying to figure out what the track's going to do, what you're going to need in your car. And then the tires are wearing out like you wouldn't believe. Um, so really, you know, it, it was an amazing challenge, um, for everybody. And, you know, even if you were a dirt guy, there was a pretty big challenge this week trying to figure out um, what you need in this car because they're so different than a late model or a modified or sprint car midgets, whatever it is, very different. So, um, you know, that was a, a fun challenge and uh, had a heck of a race at the end there. So, um, need to be able to say we, we got the first dirt win. That's a special feeling, um, you know, and then you think of, uh, you know, being able to win at all the different types of racetracks. Dirt was one of them that, that I definitely didn't have on my on my resume before yesterday. Well, and you touched on earlier, we had your modified car owner, Ryan Flores, on our Pit Road Boats and Woes segment, talking about uh, taking you down to Volusia and then going to Bristol for, you ended up blowing up in a heat race, but you're running strong before that. Um, what are some things you took away uh, from that modified to seeing, seeing dirt racing for the first time a couple, week, couple weeks ago? I think the biggest things I learned was, you know, it's kind of how the track changes. It's amazing that when the, when the track's tacky and it's got all the grip, you're, you're wide open and on the, you know, those modifieds and you, know, as the track slicks off, you weren't getting quarter to half throttle and, you know, just learning on how the dirt changes and where you want to be, uh, was an important piece. And then probably the biggest thing that I think I took out of it that helped me yesterday, was just trying to learn how to run the high side, you know, running the bottom, is quite a bit easier for, for me, at least it, it, it naturally makes more sense for me, but running the top, you have to sling the thing around more. Uh, you have to have more pitch in the car, uh, to be able to go around the corner up there, more wheel spin. And, and it's, it's just outside of the typical things I would do. So learning how to do that was probably the biggest thing that I took out of running that modified, um, which was a blast driving it by the way. <laughs> it drives very different than a cup car. I mean, maybe the, the, the power and the, the width of the tire is similar, but as much as that rear end moves around and the left front tire is off the ground, uh, it, it was definitely a lot different car. But learning the dirt, uh, and, and especially around the high side, is, it was helpful. Well, after my day ended short, I got caught, collected up in a wreck. I was up on top of the truck watching, and it seems like the, the slicker the track got, the better the 22 got relative to the guys in front of him. Once the 19 started burning his stuff up, the 99, you drove up there and passed the 24. Uh, what were some different things you did behind the wheel driving style wise to just adjust for the change in conditions? Yeah, well, I was, I was very concerned about tires. Um, you know, when, when you run a 30 lap run in practice and you get out and you look at your right rear tire and it's bald, like it looks, it's bald, balder than me. That's pretty bald. So yeah. It's like, yeah, it was pretty. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. So uh, I'm like, well, we got to really take care of these tires. And, and I started thinking at that moment of, of, okay, how do I save tires? How do I keep the right rear on this thing? And, and, and that's going to, you know, be my, my strong suit if I can figure out how to do that. Um, you know, so we, we obviously worked on our car and tried to find ways to, to keep the car tight, um, to where it wasn't, you know, pitched out as much. Um, especially when the track was abrasive, when it was hard packed and slick. Um, and then, you know, I kind of just went through some of the things that I would do at, at a Richmond or a Martinsville to save tires. Um, I took those, those, you know, skills and put it towards the dirt race at, at Bristol. And, 
it took a long time to get the reward, which was a little bit frustrating early in the race. Cause I'd be sitting there waiting and I see these guys in front of me and they're sideways and they spin in the tires. I'm like, all right, they're coming back to me. And it wasn't until like the last 15 laps of a run did my car really come to life. Um, and from, from saving tires. So the reward was a little later than I would hoped it would be. Um, but I also just didn't want to blow a right rear. Right. I mean, it, if you blew a tire there and you had to put it on the green, your race is over. Your, right. your, your chance to recover is, is very, very challenging, hard to pass. Um, so you had to just be perfect. And so, you know, I, I kicked it back a couple notches and tried to be methodical about the day in the race and, and think, okay, if I can grab a couple cars, a run, um, you know, every 50 laps, if I can get a couple cars, get a couple cars, I'm going to be in position to win this thing. Um, you know, and, and once we got the lead there from, from Soros, uh, at the end of the second stage, um, then we had control of the race and it was just about holding them off. And, uh, and then they went the track and everything changed and, and I had to race Denny <laughs> crazy to, to maintain the lead, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, and a little stressful at the moment, but uh, it worked out all right. So that's your third gladiator sword from winning two normal concrete Bristol races and one dirt Bristol race. What are you doing with those gladiators? Do you just hang them up? Do you look at them or like you <laughs> chop wood? What are you doing those? What are you doing with them swords? Well, the first thing you do is you keep them away from your kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that to run around with a sword. Um, but you know, I, I, it's funny you brought this up because just before we did this, uh, we were running around clutch here and, uh, was, was doing some funny videos of me just chopping stuff. So I was trimming the hedges. I, I cut through a Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> I was going after it with stuff. So, uh, but it was, it kind of feels good too, just to chop stuff, you know, at the sword. It, it was neat. So, um, that was cool. Uh, in Bristol, has a lot of neat things, but probably the coolest part. So, you know, um, Brittany and Hudson were, were there in the motorhome lot and they, you know, you can't come into victory lane, you know, with the, the bubble and all that, um, which, which kind of stinks. But, you know, after everybody left, we stayed late last night and, um, you know, to, cause Hudson's, you know, now three and he understands what's going on. You know, the last time I won when he was at the racetrack, I think was Miami when we won the championship. So it's been a while since he's been at the racetrack for a win. Um, you know, and, and now that he knows what's going on, I said, we, we gotta, we gotta get him inside the racetrack. And so, uh, you know, later that night, once everybody left, we went inside and, and walked the track together and took some cool pictures, uh, on the dirt track at Bristol and just thought it was a cool moment and wanted to take advantage of that. And that was the coolest winning with your, your family there. Jameson wasn't there. Um, he was, he was at home cause we knew it was going to be a late night, but, um, for Hudson, it was cool how, to see how excited he was about winning and running around the track. And, you know, he thought it was neat. That was cool. That's awesome. Special moment to share with the family, the first Bristol Dirt winner of all time. Um, but I wanted to ask you this, man, 27 wins. You passed Dale Jr. on the all-time win list, which puts you 31st. Now, you're going to race until the wheels fall off of yourself before anything else happens. Where do you see yourself on that all-time win list? Um, and I know you don't think about that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I, I look at it, you know, I do think it's really cool because I'm still like, I mean, we, we grew up together, you know, and, and, and we were, we were race fans before anything else. And I'm only 27 wins behind you. So I'll, I'll, I'm getting there. <laughs> You're not that far back. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but like, I look at the names that are on that list and the race fan side of me thinks, Oh my gosh, like I'm, comparable to Dale jr, you know, or in, in, in one way. Right. I mean, there's obviously so many differences that you can't compare, but, but in the wind column, right. This like, that's pretty cool. Right. I remember grew up watching him race, um, you know, along with so many others that are, that are ahead of me or, or around me at this point. And that, that to me is kind of like the moment you want to pinch yourself and say, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is pretty neat. Cause this is the top level of motorsports in America. Like this is, this has been my goal my whole life. Um, you know, to, so to be on that list anywhere within, you know, the top, you know, 30 ish is, is, is something I take a lot of pride in, but, um, at the same time, you know, there's a lot, a lot of runway ahead of me still, um, that, that I hope to, to be in the sport a lot longer. Well, <laughs> Let, let's just spitball some hypotheticals, shall we? I mean, you're you're a give or take two and a half to four win guy a year. You know, I don't know what the average is, but it's strong. Call it, th- half, call it three, right? I mean, I don't, get the half, the two and a half. How do I do that? Well, you know, sometimes you win one, sometimes you win six. So 
we'll call it three. Okay. Averaging it out. Okay. All right. You're All you're right. 31. 31. You're going to race for another, give or take, 12 years. Three a year. That's another, what, 36 races? That puts you that puts you towards the top 10, buddy. So, you know, I'm, I don't want to shoot the – I don't want to put the ceiling too high for you, but I got faith you're going to get that top 10. That would be something else, huh? Somewhere around Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Dale Earnhardt, 76. That's a tough That's a tough uh, bar to meet there. But I think you can get there, buddy. Well, maybe. You know, it's, I know what I think is I started so young, I can get that Ironman uh, one. What's the most starts? I feel like I can get that. Was that uh, Bill Elliott Ricky Rudd? Ricky Rudd, wasn't it? Yeah, he had, like, he had like 10,000. Didn't Jeff Gordon beat him recently? Oh, man. Uh, we need I don't know. Merriman, do you know this? Jeff Gordon is the current NASCAR Ironman. Of how many do we know? Uh, the streak was from November 15th of 92 to November 22nd of 15. Ricky Rudd is second from 80, 81 to 05. Uh, yeah, it's 797 for Gordon and 788 for Rudd. And you're going to blow that out of the water. I'm like halfway there. Yeah, just <laughs> and you're just warming up, buddy. But halfway there, I'm about halfway through. So yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So at it. <laughs> we could we could we can BS all day long. But before we go, I know you're a busy man. You got a short week leading up to Easter here, so you want to get down to uh, vacation with the family. We play a little little game. Would you rather with our guests? Sometimes it gets a little crazy. All right, all you right. ready? Would you rather drink an ice cold Pennzoil or a piping hot Coca Cola? I will take the piping hot Coca Cola because I don't think drinking the Pennzoil would be a good move. Unless you are a six point two liter uh, Mustang engine, that's could use Pennzoil. Then you can, yeah. Then you can use that. But um, even, yeah, even then, we might want to warm the oil up a little bit if it's frozen. Probably so. We're going with the piping hot Coca Cola. Probably a good choice. Number two. Yeah. Would you rather fall down the stairs at Darlington or flip a snowmobile in Lake Placid? <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing from experience, neither is a good feeling. Um, I, I feel like wrecking the snowmobile in Lake Placid was, uh, it was probably worse. It was more embarrassing. Um, there was more people to see it and there was more damage done. Um, I didn't wreck the stairs at Darlington. It just wrecked myself. So oh. the snowmobile was done. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna go. You'd rather beef it at Atlanta, uh, beef it at Darlington, than flip another snowmobile. Yes, I'd rather beef it at Darlington. Yes, yes. It's and it, not a good feeling. And you maybe can, now that I'm a little older, I might change that. I don't know if you'd recover <laughs> as quick, buddy. That that would be a that was a tumble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. That's no probably fun, Mike, your ass. You did. You won that one. There's no question. No question about that. Last one. Would you rather have? This is probably a little more serious. Would you rather have hot dog pit stops like we had at Bristol all year or single file restarts? Mm. Um, I think both are special or just unique for the dirt race. Um, I, I like double file restarts a lot. And I like what it does for, for the sport. Um, so I, I'm going to, but I, but I also think pit stops are, are something that, that adds a team environment to the sport even more so than what it already is. Um, boy, I, Neither uh, one of them are good for competition. Neither one is really good. I'm going to probably choose pit stops. I think, like, I, I kind of enjoy having the pit stops. And, and I think that, like you said, like when you win and you have everybody there um, that helped along with that, uh, I'm probably going to say pit stops. I'd rather have both. You know, it's a double file – shootout style restarts, you know, I, I like that a lot too. So for I, sure, I get why we had to change all of it. I get it all, but, um, I like both of them and we need to go back to that when we go back to normal racing. Yeah. Well, there you have it from the winner himself, Joey Logano, 31st in the NASCAR all time wins list. Congratulations again, buddy. Thanks for, uh, stacking pennies with us. Thanks bud. Have Talk a good day. Soon. All right, buddy. Talk later. I love being able to pull that NASCAR lever because we get some great guests on the show. Not often do you hear the winner from a cup race the day after he wins. Uh, so that was cool to have my buddy Joey Logano on the show, stacking pennies with us. 
going uh, leading into off week, but we have a couple heads or tails here for you. My favorite show because 98% of the time I'm right. The other 2% is when Chuck's right, and then the 0% of the time is when Merriman's right. I'm glad I got the 2% in. You're welcome. I'm, I'm like, trying to no. get a beer sponsorship with my ice cold takes. I'm like, no. <laughs> Just yeah. send a pallet to my Bush. <laughs> so let's do, let's do some real life heads or tails here. We got seven weeks to kind of evaluate some speed of some teams and uh, some guys who we thought might be in victory lane or not in victory lane, looking at guys like the 11, the four, some others, Kyle Bush. Um, let's do a little heads or tails. Penske or Gibbs has more cars in the championship four in Phoenix. Mm, well, I think the biggest liability over there for Gibbs is already won. So it's simply – are you counting to Benedetto in the Penske round to make it four on four or are you going three no. on four? No. Gibbs. Think so? Mountains they, are blue, yeah. <laughs> Mountains are blue. Ice, ice cold, cold take. take. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, I, man, they had two last year with Joey and and right Joey and the two. Had, oh, you talking about championship four? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said. I thought you said championship. Uh, no. I mean, I mean, I'll stick with what I said before. I mean, Penske's probably the the apparent answer, but so that's that's why you're not going to pick it. Well, I misunderstood the question, Chuck, and you, I just feel dumb going back on it. Chuck, what do you think? <laughs> I'm going, I'm going, Chuck, and uh, sticking with the two percent. And Penske's got a lot of number twos in their stable. So, um, wow, big deuce guy. Yeah, big two guy. Two <laughs> big, yeah, big number two guy. I know. All yeah. you do is listen to Glass Case of Emotion. You know. <laughs> hey, everybody's got to have their niche, right? Speaking of number yeah. two, how about Glass Case of Emotion? <laughs> uh, all right. So who who else we got? We have Hendrick. So let's do like a heads, not even a heads or tails. Head to head. Larson, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman. Which of those four guys are in the championship four? Five and nine. Oh, you're going with two. Mm. And no Stuart Haas cars. That's what you're thinking. I mean, which they can't, one? They can't even sniff a top ten right now. I mean, I think you know, Kevin's going to get a win, but yeah, it's looking pretty bleak. Yeah. Oof. That one, mm. the ten has dismal numbers. We'll talk, we'll talk about that later. Though. Yeah, he's almost he's been running as bad as I am. Sir, sir, are you saying after seven races, what do we think the final four like the final four is? Is that is that what we're getting at? No. Sure. No. I how think, many from Hendrick make it? To how the many final? from? Yeah. Yeah. I think one from Hendrick makes it. I think so too. I think it's the five. I would go five. I would. Uh, part of me says twenty four. Whoa. Yeah, bold. That is my bold take. He's. I like that bold take. He's though. firing on all eight right now. Though. Like, now, you got to look at the three races leading up to Phoenix, right? You got to right. look at Texas. You got to look at Martinsville. What's the other one in there? I forgot. Roval. I, I don't know. No. I should know that. Merriman, actually, you be, should know that. You are the rain man of, it of used, NASCAR. It used to be Kansas. Is it still Kansas? Is, did they move Kansas to the, the round before? I thought it was the round before. All I know, well, here's here's Larson's biggest trouble. Larson's biggest trouble is going to be Martinsville. Yeah. He's he's going to have to be like Harvick last year. Harvick dominated and then, you know. Self-destruct. He, de- he decided to spin Kyle Busch a corner later than he should have. He should have. Yeah, so I think that Kyle Larson's going to have enough playoff points in the bank to get him to be in a decent spot because I think he's going to win. He's going to win five races this year. I'm, I think I'm going to go with the five. I'm 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 thinking that 24 just because of the only times he's finished outside of the top 10 were at Daytona in the road course and the 500. But after he got that win, he even won that I racing race. Yeah, top 10, slick Willie can't beat him in nothing. He's locked in right now. You and Bowman got a beef going on. You guys wrecking the heck out of each other in that I racing race. Do you just want to it blaze was, over that? Yeah, I do want to because uh, okay, I get too mad. Sorry to bring over it up. video games. That's what I, like I was in there. Piping mad. I'm in there sweating. So what's your next head or tails then? I think we were talking – I'll just bring it up. So if we had to pick one cup track that didn't have dirt on it over the others, if we had to do another Bristol, not Bristol, where are we going? What you mean like doing? where are we putting dirt on another track? Yeah. Merriman? I mean, I'm if I'm gonna go last because I'm gonna I'm gonna go like Humpy Wheeler on steroids with well, my pick. I was kind of gonna go the same route. I was gonna say like a Sonoma or no, a no, Watkins Glen. No, put dirt on a road course. Let's see what happens. Talladega Jesus. dirt. Oh, that'd be so much dirt, dude. Yeah. It would be a lot of dirt. Jesus, so much dirt. 
there wouldn't even be enough dirt in Alabama to cover Talladega. I don't know. You've been to Alabama? There's a lot of red clay in Alabama. a lot of red dirt in Alabama. I'd rather just go across the street to the short track and run. That's what I'd rather do. Maybe that's what I was talking about, Corey. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Talladega short track. Mountain Zoo. <laughs> he, go, he goes Talladega dirt. I go road course dirt. What's your uh, dirt that you'd like to see? I think Martinsville would be a cool track. Well, yeah. that's also returning to the roots because that used to be a dirt track. When yeah. uh, Back when I worked with local news, I was chatting up Junior Johnson when he, he was you know around and, and still in the media center and everything. And he was telling me that there's a, actually a creek that has now runs under Martinsville. But in, in one of the corners, the it used to get so muddy, cars would get stuck on the inside of one of the corners down there. It might but, be a Corey story. I got it. I got it. I just had an epiphany. <laughs> Your Junior Johnson made me think of this. This is how you bring back North Wilkesboro, Marcus, and Bruton. The Holy tracks, shit. The put, tracks dirt on Mar- put dirt on uh, North Wilkesboro. The asphalt's not the problem with Wilkesboro. I know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's everything, everything else. else. Everything else. Yeah, the, the asphalt's the only thing in good shape, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but I, it was one of those things. I just Chuck's over track. singing, paint me a rockin' head. All right, th- hey, this isn't... Uh, this isn't a heads or tails. This is a hype. This is so we're going to be listening to. It's going to come out uh, probably by the time Marcus Smith is on Dale Jr. Download. Probably going to announce some more stuff. Um, hopefully, it has something to do with Atlanta because we heard some rumblings about them repaving it after our July race in in time for the next gen car to hit the racetrack. What would we do with Atlanta on a repave, re- reconfiguration type model? Bank the hell out of it and make a mini Daytona. Same shape. I don't care what shape it is. Dog got, leg front. Stretch. If you've got thirty some degrees of banking in the corner, man, boom, that would be gnarly. It would be absolutely insane. Dude, you'd be hauling so much ass around oh, yeah. there. I say take out the dog leg or the make the, it the old oval. Make it the old oval. Yeah, and I mean, if you want a super speedway, but I, I'd reconfigure it to so it's not that same type of D shaped track. It would be Homestead. Right? I mean, that was kind of the – that's what they modeled Homestead after was the Atlanta Oval. Wait, which – so, like, the Homestead with the reconfigure or the old Homestead? As it is now. As it is now? Yeah. Symmetri- symmetrical. And Homestead is a great mile and a half. Yeah. So, I'd be down for a little more banking. It's 24 degrees now. I'd like to see it over 30, somewhere around Daytona, maybe a little more, Talladega. Now you're talking. That would be sweet. Especially with, you know, the direction the NASCAR wants to go with this high downforce, low horsepower – you could have a hell of a race. Oh, I mean, I think, I mean, do you think the speeds would be as high? That You can relegate that with downforce. Like, I mean, downforce isn't going to let us go more than 195 probably because it's not going to let us go any faster than what we do at Daytona Talladega. That's true. Because it's the same package. 200. That's the number. That's I think, the number I, I, think I think it would be cool to watch. I mean, I don't know because I'm, I'm obviously not an engineer. I mean, you can – by by my I couldn't tell. educated guesses <laughs> <laughs> on this show, but like I don't know if like the radius of the corner has anything to do with it or not. But like coming off of off of that corner at Atlanta, being a mile and a half track versus you know it's a who mile, cares? It's a Just mile pay it. I know, but I mean I'm saying like the transition off the corner. Ah. Or, I mean it would be it would be wild to watch those guys you know come off the corner there at that track. For sure, it'd be nuts. Just pave it and let the guys deal with it. We figured it that figured. We we'll put dirt on it. I mean. The guys that were working on these cup cars are smart enough to figure it out. It'd just be a little less, a little more challenging, a little less challenging behind the wheel, but that's what we like. I'm looking forward to it, man. I think the next five to ten years in the NASCAR uh, circuit cup series, truck series, Xfinity series, I think it's going to be – there's going to be a lot of cool stuff that's going to happen. For and sure. I think fans – competitors might not always be uh, 100% happy with it, but I think at the end of the day, the fans are going to get a great show. Pike's yeah. Peak Hill Climb. <laughs> On um, yeah yeah and forty then, car field and then straight down the other side of the mountain when you're done you got a cage in the thing all yeah. all Ken block uh, Jim Connor cars I'd, I'd be down with that <laughs> as long as the numbers on the door I'm yeah. good with it <laughs> it's not it's gonna be on the hood <laughs> well well there you have it we're we're gonna still do we're gonna come back next week with a show yeah we got some good stuff leading into Martinsville we might even have a special guest on here uh, not a current guy but somebody you, you might know. We haven't even asked, asked him yet, but yeah. I'm assuming why wouldn't he want to come on the show? Cockle do putting the positive vibes Cockle-doodle out. Cockle do yeah. So uh, thanks for stacking pains with us. Tough week for me, but good week for our buddy Joey Logano, and good week for the fans and SMI. Everybody, I think everybody won this weekend. Have a good Easter weekend. Talk to y'all soon. Thanks for stacking pains with us.
It is Easter weekend, guys. You know what that means. No NASCAR Cup Series race. That hasn't always been the case. In the 73-year history of the Cup Series, we raced on Easter Sunday a grand total of 11 times. The first holiday event was held in 1953 at the old dirt track Charlotte Speedway. Kind of fitting, since we just left the dirt track. It was on Sunday, April 5th, and Tim Flock was on the pole for the event. We've actually discussed this race before on Corey Stories because this was also the inaugural run of the fastest monkey in the South, Jocko Flacco. Tim and Jocko wound up finishing in the fourth position, and Dick Passwater, Hall of Fame kind of a name, would get the win after most of the contenders fell out of the race trying to make late pit stops. He only led three laps that day. They were the only laps he led in his whole career, to be honest. But they're the only ones that counted. Passwater is kind of an interesting story. The Indiana native and World War II veteran only raced in 20 Cup Series races across two years, with this race being his only win. He had an average finish of around ninth with seven career top five, but eventually his career came to an end after a tragic accident. He let his car owner, Frank Ashford, attempt to qualify his car for a race in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Crazy track, by the way. During the qualifying session, Ashford was involved in a crash and killed Passwater raced in one more Cup Series event following that crash, and he finished ninth. He returned home to Indianapolis and opened up an auto body repair shop called Passwater's Auto Specialist before retiring to Florida in 1996. NASCAR would run on Easter Sunday for five consecutive seasons from 1959 to 1963. That 59 race was marred by one of the most bizarre incidents in NASCAR's history. The date. Sunday, March 29th, 1959. The track. Wilson Speedway, part of the Wilson County Fairgrounds in Wilson, North Carolina. The headline on that day read, Tragedy Averted, as flames destroy Wilson Grandstand. This was scheduled to be a one-day event with practice and qualifying in the morning, and the green flag for the race was scheduled to drop around 2 p.m. The old wooden grandstands were built in 1920, and beneath them sat an exhibit hall for the fairgrounds. It was around 1.30 p.m. that someone in the grandstands more than likely dropped a lit cigarette onto the roof of the exhibit hall that subsequently caught both structures on fire. As soon as the smoke and flames were noticed, the track PA announcer came over to the speakers and calmly organized the evacuation of around 3,000 people from his perch atop the fire-engulfed grandstands. Now, one source has this unlikely hero listed as Ray Melton, and another has it as Sammy Blaine. Since they sometimes worked as a team in the early days of NASCAR, it's quite possible that both men are responsible for saving thousands of lives that day before making their own heroic and daring escape. The fire department arrived on the scene around 1.45 p.m., but by that time the fire had grown and both the grandstands and the exhibit hall were engulfed in flames. The fire chief, T.R. Bissett, noted that the flames and the hall could have been saved if the fire department had been called right away instead of fans, as he said, monkeying with the fire for 20 minutes before they reported it. By the time the intrepid firefighters gained control of the blaze, both the grandstands and the exhibit hall had been reduced to a smoldering pile rubble and ash. What's even more shocking is once the fire was out, the cars were gridded and the race freaking started. Joe Weatherly led the first four laps. On lap four, Marvin Panch spun into a drainage ditch. Bob Welburn led six laps, but his car overheated on lap 82. Curtis Turner had a hot rod and led 166 laps. On lap 177, Junior Johnson passed Turner and held for the rest of the race. Johnson won by three seconds, notching the 12th win of his cup career. Rutcher Petty, the king, finished third. It was his first top five finish and the first time that he beat his father in a race. Fun fact, Lee Petty finished fourth. Over the next five seasons, Richard Petty would win three times on Easter Sunday. The last time the Cup Series had a race on Easter Sunday was March 26th, 1989 at Richmond Raceway. Easter, supposed to be the last break for the Winston Cup drivers before that weekly chase for the Million Dollar Championship. But a month ago, this place was covered in snow, and as a result, this race had to be pushed back to the holiday. The race was originally scheduled for the weekend after the Daytona 500, but a snowstorm in Richmond covered the track in fresh powder. Great for steers, not ideal for race cars. The race was postponed a month, making it the first race on Easter Sunday in the modern era. It also marked the first race since 1971 that Richard Petty failed to qualify. That's interesting. When somebody's been doing as much as we have over the period of years, they ought to be able to kind of bend something from time to time and make it work. What's going to be going through Richard Petty's mind when you turn the light out tonight in bed? 
I'm going to sleep. That's what I'm going to do. I ain't going to worry about it. Nothing I can do. Rusty Wallace won the race, and it must have brought him good luck because he went on to win the championship that season. So there it is, a brief history of racing on Easter Sunday. I hope you all enjoy the off week. Thanks for sticking around for Corey's Stories. Thank you.